So let's turn into God's word. As said today, we're wrapping up a series of messages where we've been talking about faith-filled obedience. Estamos hablando de la obediencia llena de fe. And to do that, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 5. And we're going to read just a few verses, verses 27 through 32. Hechos 5, versículos 27 al 32. And I'm going to read this first in English. Voy a leer primero en inglés, después en español. And let's remind ourselves here that we have this treasure that we're holding in our hands, that we're watching on the screen, hearing with our ears. It's the word of God, the spirit-filled word of God. Esta es la palabra de Dios llena del Espíritu Santo. So let's listen and let's humbly and openly receive it. Vamos a recibir con humildad este mensaje. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish council, to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgiveness and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Los condujeron ante el consejo judío y el sumo sacerdote les reclamó, terminantemente les hemos prohibido enseñar en ese nombre. Sin embargo, ustedes han llenado a Jerusalén con sus enseñanzas y se han propuesto echarnos la culpa a nosotros de la muerte de ese hombre. Es necesario obedecer a Dios antes que a los hombres, respondieron Pedro y los demás apóstoles. El Dios de nuestros antepasados resucitó a Jesús a quien ustedes mataron colgándolo de un madero. Por su poder, Dios lo exaltó como príncipe y salvador para que diera a Israel arrepentimiento y perdón de pecados. Nosotros somos testigos de estos acontecimientos y también lo es el Espíritu Santo que Dios ha dado a quienes le obedecen. So I want to begin just with a simple question. Uh, it's probably a question you've heard before, but would like to know if you could choose just one superpower that you could have, what would that superpower be? Si pudiera tener un solo superpoder, ¿cuál sería? Now, you know, those are often icebreaker questions, right? Or when you're with a group of people, what's your, you know, what superpower would you like? And I have to admit, I kind of don't like that question that much. But I do know my answer. I have an answer. If I could have just one superpower, I would want the ability to disappear. Okay? Yo quisiera la capacidad de desaparecerme, to, to become invisible, hacerme invisible. You see, that way, I could vanish into thin air during the most embarrassing moments of my life. Okay? I could just get out of there. Podría desaparecerme en los momentos más uh, vergonzosos de la vida. I don't know about you, but embarrassing moments are things that you know, still give me pain when I think about them. We've all had them. Embarrassing moments. Todos hemos tenido momentos de, de vergüenza, ¿verdad? One I can remember was when I was a seminary student. I was 
green. I was studying to be a pastor. I was preparing uh, for the ministry. Me estaba preparando el ministerio como estudiante de seminario. And I was worshiping at a local church. And one Sunday after worship, we're all in kind of this area where there's coffee and, you know, everybody's gathered, fellowship hall, they call it. Estábamos en, en un tiempo de compañerismo después de un culto. And I was seated at a table across from a woman. Estaba frente a una mujer, and she was holding a baby. Estaba sosteniendo un, un bebé. And I was kind of nervous, and I just was trying to, you know, get the conversation going. So I said, hey, is, is that your baby? Es tu bebé, le pregunté. Seemed to me like an innocent question, right? Parecía una pregunta inocente. But when everybody around me started laughing their heads off, I realized that that was not an innocent question. Todos se reían alrededor de mí. It was a dumb question, okay? Fue una pregunta tonta. Because you see, this woman was not just holding the baby. She was breastfeeding it. Okay, estaba amamantando al bebé. I mean, she better be breastfeeding her own baby. I don't know how that works, but, you know, and, and at that moment, I'm just like, oh, I wanted to crawl under a rock, right, and just, just disappear. Quería desaparecerme en ese momento. So that's a superpower I definitely wish I had. In our scripture today, we read of a time when the disciples of Jesus had that superpower. They had the power to become invisible. Leemos de un tiempo cuando los apóstoles se hicieron invisibles. And the reason they became invisible was not because they were embarrassed. No tuvieron vergüenza. No, in fact, the reason that the apostles were able to become invisible was that they were actually very visible. They were very open and visible in sharing and proclaiming the message of Jesus. Se hicieron invisibles por ser muy invisibles a la hora de proclamar a Jesús. And, and because they were very visible and because they were being faithful in their obedience to Jesus and sharing his name, God honored their obedience not only by giving them superpowers, but by embarrassing their opponents. Dios les honró su obediencia avergonzando a sus oponentes. I want to go back and set the stage for us here for this incredible story that begins in Acts chapter 5. Back in verse 12, we read about the fact that the early church was gaining momentum. La iglesia estaba ganando momentum. And they were meeting in homes, yes, but they were also meeting quite regularly in an area of the Jewish temple known as Solomon's Colonnade. Estaban reuniéndose en el portico de Salomón del templo. And amazing things were happening. In this very public place, there were signs, there were wonders happening. Había milagros, prodigios, señales. The apostles were sharing the word of God in power. People were, were being healed of sicknesses. Había sanidad de, de enfermedades. Uh, there were people that were hesitant to join the group, and yet at the same time, somehow, they, they did. They were being added to the church. The church was growing. Aunque la gente estaba renuente, la iglesia estaba creciendo. Now, this was not a good thing for the Jewish leaders of the temple. They didn't like this. No les gustó a los líderes del templo. And so what did they do? They arrested the apostles. And they threw them in jail. Arrestaron a los apóstoles, los pusieron en la cárcel. But in the middle of the night, God sent an angel. An angel of the Lord comes to 
the jail cell and basically busts them out. Un ángel del Señor llega y les hace salir de la cárcel. He unlocks the door and the apostles walk out in front of everyone as if they are invisible and maybe they were, they were. Nobody sees them leave. Se van invisibles, nadie ve que se van. And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 20, the angel says to them, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Vayan, les dice el ángel, preséntense en el templo y comuniquen al pueblo todo este mensaje de vida. So that's what they do. They go back to the temple. They start preaching. They start teaching. They start proclaiming Jesus. Vuelven y empiezan a proclamar a Jesús. The next morning, what happens? The temple leaders, the Jewish leaders, come to the temple in the morning, and there are the apostles right where they started. Los líderes judíos los ven en la mañana, and they are embarrassed. Están avergonzados. And so what do they do? They round them up again. They arrest them. Take them before the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, and before the high priest. Los arrestan y los traen al sumo sacerdote. And the high priest in Acts 5.28 says, Hey, what's going on here? We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Terminantemente les hemos prohibido enseñar en ese nombre. Ustedes han llenado a Jerusalén con sus enseñanzas y se han propuesto echarnos la culpa a nosotros de la muerte de ese hombre. Translation, the high priest says, you're embarrassing us. Stop it. Nos están poniendo a vergüenza. But Peter and the other apostles reply in verse 29, sorry, we must obey God rather than human beings. Es necesario obedecer a Dios antes que a los hombres. Why? Because God's done something bold. We have to be bold in our proclamation because God has done something bold. He's, he's raised up this Jesus whom you, by the way, killed. Dios ha resucitado Jesús que ustedes mataron. You hung him on a cross. But now God has exalted him, made him prince and savior. Lo exaltado Dios para ser príncipe y salvador. And the whole reason God's done it is to do everything that Israel needs to bring repentance to bring a transformation of life and forgiveness of sins to the people of Israel and, of course, beyond. Lo ha hecho para traer arrepentimiento, transformación y perdón de pecados a Israel. And then in chapter 5, verse 32, the apostles say, here's the deal. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Nosotros somos testigos de esos acontecimientos y también lo es el Espíritu Santo que Dios ha dado a quienes le obedecen. We are witnesses. Somos testigos. The word here in the uh, original language of the Bible is martyros, martyrs. We're martyrs. Somos mártires. We think of martyrs as people who die for their faith, and that's true, but, but these guys are saying we're martyrs because they're living for their faith. They're living for Jesus and prepared to be a witness to the death. Están dispuestos a dar testimonio de Jesús hasta la muerte. He says we're witnesses along with the Holy Spirit whom God gives to those who obey him. Somos testigos con el Espíritu Santo que Dios da a los que le obedecen. 
In other words, the Holy Spirit is tied to their testimony. There's something here to learn about the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, where were the apostles? Where was the church? They were hiding out. They were invisible. El día de Pentecostés, la iglesia estaba invisible. They were in a little room, praying, waiting, but they were not to be seen. They were not to be heard, and yet the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and then what happens? They're not invisible anymore. They're going out and sharing the message. Cuando llega el Espíritu Santo el día Pentecostés, la iglesia es invisible, pero después no está invisible porque comparten el mensaje. So what we have here is an example, a powerful example of faith-filled, spirit-filled obedience. Es una obediencia llena de fe y llena del Espíritu Santo. You could say this is an example of embarrassing obedience. Es una obediencia vergonzosa. It's not embarrassing obedience because the apostles are embarrassed of Jesus. No tiene vergüenza de Jesús. No, not at all. Quite the opposite. It's embarrassing obedience because in their boldness and in their power of being witnesses for Jesus, they put to shame, they embarrass the people that are against the message of Jesus. Es una obediencia porque ponen a vergüenza a los que se oponen al mensaje de Jesús. This is one of the things I think we want to capture at the end of this series on faith-filled obedience, and it is to understand what the apostles here experienced through their obedience, through their testimony of Jesus, the Holy Spirit walked with them, and in effect, the Holy Spirit gave them superpowers, the ability to share, to exercise embarrassing obedience. El Espíritu Santo les da uh, osadía para compartir el mensaje de Jesús. Now, here's where we need to be careful because this is often something we see as a story and we say, well, that was kind of nice. It's really cool that the Holy Spirit was doing stuff way back then. But I don't think this is a story that's meant to be for just, you know, way back then. Once upon a time. Esa no es una historia solo de lo que Dios hizo en el pasado en aquellos tiempos. The Holy Spirit of the living Lord Jesus Christ has been poured out to us as well. The Holy Spirit is with us and he is alive and well and he wants to work in our lives. The, the first apostles and the first Christians, like them, we're called, I believe, on the basis of this scripture, we're called to embarrassing obedience. El Espíritu Santo nos llama a nosotros a una obediencia vergonzosa. And again, we need to define embarrassing obedience. It is not about being embarrassed of Jesus Christ. No se trata de tener vergüenza del Señor Jesús. How many times have you wanted to be invisible as a follower of Jesus Christ? That may be what we naturally feel. Naturalmente, a lo mejor queremos ser invisibles en nuestra fe, but 
That is not what God calls us to. In fact, there's scripture that would support this and call us to this. If we look at Romans 1.16, Romanos 1.16, the early church leader Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, because it is the power of God, the superpower of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, Jews and Gentiles. A la verdad no me avergüenzo del evangelio, pues es poder de Dios para la salvación de todos los que creen, judíos y griegos. Or how about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 14, the same Peter that's in this story in Acts chapter 5, 1 Pedro 4, 14, Listen to what Peter says. Pedro dice esto. He says, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Dichosos ustedes, uh, si los insultan por causa de, del nombre de Cristo, porque el, el glorioso Espíritu de Dios reposa sobre ustedes. If you're going to suffer, It shouldn't be as a murderer or thief or a criminal or some other embarrassing act that you commit. Que ninguno tenga que sufrir por ser asesino, ladrón o delincuente. No, but if you suffer as a Christian, as a witness for Christ, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Si alguien sufre por ser cristiano, que no se avergüence, sino que alabe a Dios por llevar el nombre de Cristo. There's another scripture that speaks to this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 8. Paul is talking to the young Timothy, a younger pastor, a younger leader. He says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, by the power of God. No te avergüences de dar testimonio de nuestro Señor ni tampoco de mí que por su casa soy prisionero. Al contrario, tú también con el poder de Dios debes soportar sufrimientos por el Evangelio. Don't be ashamed. Join me by the power of God to give a witness and yes, even to suffer for your faith. What's the power of God? ¿Qué es el poder de Dios? We'll back up one verse. 2 Timothy 1.7 For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline Dios no nos ha dado un espíritu de timidez sino de poder de amor y de dominio propio it is through the Holy Spirit then that we can exercise obedience the Holy Spirit means that you and I actually have a fighting chance when it comes to combating sin and learning to walk in a new way el Espíritu Santo nos da la oportunidad de caminar en una nueva manera. And the, the bottom line, the bottom line is that as followers of Jesus Christ who have been promised and have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are not called to be invisible. No somos llamados para ser invisibles como seguidores de Jesús. We're called to be light in the darkness. Somos luz en la oscuridad. And that's our theme that we've been looking at this year, 2023, being light in the darkness. That's what we're called to do. So what does that mean? It means that 
playing it safe and, and, and hiding out is not an option. No es opción estar seguro y escondernos. It means that, that blending in and not sticking out in the world is not an option. No es opción mezclarnos y no sobresalir. Why? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 3, that if our gospel, our message about Jesus is hidden, it, if it's veiled, it is hidden to people who are perishing, who are dying, who are headed for an eternity without Christ. They are lost. They are destroyed. They are completely cut off from every source of love. Si nuestro mensaje está encubierto, dice 2 Corinthians, lo está para los que están se están perdiendo. It's not an option. I think most of us would rather kind of, you know, be the Christians that nobody sees. We just kind of make our way through life and blinders on and nobody sees us. We don't see them. We get the blessings. Life is good. But we are called to faith-filled, spirit-filled obedience. Somos llamados a una obediencia llena de fe del Espíritu. To share, and this is where I'm going to say, not just in actions, because many times we punt. Like, oh, I'll just show everybody I love Jesus by the way I act. Yeah, that's good, but use words. We're called to share without apology, without shame, the name, the person, the truth of Jesus Christ. Somos llamados a compartir no solo con acciones, sino con palabras el mensaje de Cristo. And here's where we can get inspiration. There are Christians around our world right now as we speak that are exercising embarrassing obedience to Jesus in places like China, North Korea, Iran, Saudi Arabia, places where it is extremely hard to be a Christian and they're not invisible. They're sticking out like sore thumbs and saying, here I am, I'm a Christ follower. Hay personas que están ejercitando una obediencia vergonzosa en lugares como la China, la Corea del Norte y no tienen miedo de ser testigos. And their obedience, their embarrassing obedience ought to put us to shame. At least it does for me. I think about a guy by the name of Pastor Charles. He's uh, been in Africa. That's not a real picture of him, by the way, because I'm not even going to say the name of the place where he's at. I'm not even going to say what he looks like. It's that sensitive. Pastor Charles is ministering on an island on the east coast off of Africa. It's a largely Muslim-controlled island. Pastor Carlos es pastor en una isla musulmana de África. And for 25 years, he's been there facing constant threats of, of kidnapping and assassination all the time. Está ante amenazas de secuestro y asesinato. Five times he's had to start his church over from scratch because of persecution. Ha tenido comenzar su iglesia cinco veces por la persecución. We're just worried about a roof. <laughs> but he's had to start over five times. 
One Sunday, he was in the pulpit preaching, kind of like I'm doing here. And a man burst into their, into their worship service with a gun. And he demanded, where's the pastor? Un hombre llegó a su servicio un día con una pistola. ¿Dónde está el pastor? Quiero matarlo. Where's the pastor? I'm going to kill him. Where's the pastor? He kept saying, where's the pastor? Pastor Charles was standing right in front of everybody. El pastor Carlos estaba allí. And finally the man just frustrates, like, where's the pastor? Where's the pastor? And he ran out of the building in frustration. Y se fue frustrado. What happened? The Holy Spirit made Pastor Charles invisible. Espíritu Santo le hizo invisible. Why? Because he was visible in his witness for Jesus. Era visible por su testimonio a Jesús. Now, that might seem like an extreme example to us, but we are called to be visible. I think of another person that is in our country. It might make more sense to hear her story. Her name is Molly Worthen. You can look her up. Uh, Molly Worthen is a history professor at the University of North Carolina. Molly Worthen is una uh, profesora de historia en Carolina del Norte. And she has authored a number of books. She's been a featured writer in the New York Times, in... Uh, the New Yorker magazine and other noted publications. Se ha publicado artículos en varias, um, varios periódicos. Molly Worthen is a well-respected, revered scholar in academic and in secular circles. And muy respetada en círculos académicos y seculares. In the last year or so, Molly Worthen went on a journey and she came to believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he is Savior and Lord of her life. Ella vino a creer en el Señor Jesucristo como su Señor y Salvador de su vida. And just in the last month or so, actually, Molly Worthen made the difficult decision to go public with her faith and to share her story for everyone, knowing that her colleagues in the academic world think, most of them think, that Christians are people with no brains. Christians are people who, who have just completely lost it, but she's gone public with her faith. Ella ha declarado públicamente su fe, aunque los otros académicos piensan que los cristianos son tontos, que son personas que no tienen sentido. That's embarrassing obedience. Esa es una obediencia vergonzosa. And, and so we need to understand that God will honor that. God wants us to know through Christian martyrs, both past and present, that we are invited to the same, to cultivate a, an embarrassing obedience to Christ, humbly yet boldly sharing that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of our lives. Somos llamados a compartir sin tener vergüenza el mensaje de Jesús. That does not mean rude obedience. It doesn't mean being rude to people, but it does mean being bold at times. And I think there's something we need to understand. There's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of in the gospel. There's nothing embarrassing about what Jesus has done for us. He suffered the shame for our sins. Our sins are shameful. 
Our rebellion is shameful, but Jesus is not embarrassing or shameful. No hay nada vergonzoso del evangelio de Cristo. Sí de nuestros pecados, pero no de él. And here's the promise that I think we can capture from Acts here today. That when we get into a situation and we, with, with fear and trembling, we open up our mouths and we say something about the Lord, God, through his Holy Spirit, will give us superpowers that we never thought we had before, and he will show up in a way that is amazing. I've seen it happen with me and other people, and I can say that is true. Cuando abrimos la boca y compartimos Dios por su Espíritu nos dará superpoderes. What does it take to do that? Well, I think on this Pentecost Sunday, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is calling us. It's not just a suggestion or an idea. The Holy Spirit is calling us out to be visible in our faith. And to do that, it's about turning away from the idols we've been talking about in this series. Hay que dar la espalda a los ídolos que hemos hablado en esta serie. If we're going to put our faith out there, if we're going to share about Jesus, it's about turning our back on the idol of power and status and what that's going to bring us. Dar la, la espalda al ídolo del poder. It is certainly going to be about turning our back on the idol of approval because some people may not approve. Es dar la espalda al ídolo de la aprobación. It's about turning our back on the idol of security and the idol of comfort and understanding that, you know, talking about Jesus is not comfortable all the time. It's not easy all the time. Es dar la espalda al ídolo de la seguridad y la comodidad. No es nada cómodo hablar de Jesús a veces. But here's the thing. We're talking about the one who was extremely, to the extreme uncomfortable for us. He went to the cross He died on the cross for us. We're not going to die if we open our mouths and say, Jesus is my Lord. Or we might. Either way, we win. Either way, we win. So, this morning, I want us to get started on this challenge from the Holy Spirit. Quiero que comencemos con un reto del Espíritu Santo. We're coming to the Lord's table and really the Lord's table is an opportunity to make a statement to ourselves and really to the world. We're making a statement that we believe that the body and the blood of Jesus given for us is real. He really died. He really rose. Hacemos la declaración que el cuerpo y la sangre de Jesús es real. And if you come forward to eat, if you come to take this to take the bread and to take the, the, the cup, what you're saying is that you are making a testimony. You are declaring before the world. You are becoming visible as a follower of Jesus Christ. Te estás haciendo visible como seguidor de Jesús. Now here's the challenge for the next few weeks and through the summer because we'll be talking about this more as we go forward. I want us to be praying for open doors. You don't even have to create the opportunity, right? You don't have to even go right in the middle of your group of friends and say, hey, everybody, speaking of Jesus. Well, we weren't speaking of Jesus. Oh, you don't have to do that. Just start praying for open doors. Oren por puertas abiertas. And the, here's the thing. God, if you'll open the door, I will do my very best to walk through it. And I will say something about you. I will say something for you because you died for me. 
si me abres la puerta de Dios voy a decir algo this week I want to invite you look for an open door busquen una puerta abierta esta semana as we prepare to come to the table I just want to share one more story of a martyr with you his name is Abdueli Ahmed it's on a video and I'm going to let the video speak for itself vamos a ver un video sobre un martyr Abdueli Ahmed so uh, let's go ahead and show that video as we prepare for the Lord's Supper Abdu'l-Wali Ahmed was a student attending an Islamic school when he came to a life-changing realization. The answer he was looking for wasn't Muhammad. It was Jesus. I was brought up to believe that Islam is in my blood, in my thinking, in my heart and everything. But in that way, God has a purpose and a plan for me. And despite pressure and persecution, he enrolled in a Bible college and immediately started preaching the gospel. I was persecuted. I was set away, then I was beaten up, I was set away from home, all sort of bad things were done to me, my own life was in danger. Abdu'ali got married, became a family man, and his ministry began to grow. And on February 7, 2013, he was gunned down by three assassins on a street in northern Kenya. who didn't understand their commitment to the gospel were shocked at his wife Helen's response to the murder of her husband. We have a triumphant God, and we know he's going to triumph in this situation. Long before he was murdered, Abdu'ali showed that he would pay any price for his obedience to Christ. Almost immediately following his conversion, he was beaten. At one point, a mob of 40 people came to his mother's house seeking to kill him. He escaped and later said, They were like a cat, and I was a mouse in my own hometown. He moved to Niger for three years and focused his ministry on the Tuareg tribe. And then, overwhelmed with compassion for his own Somali people, he moved to Garissa, 95 miles from the failed state and terrorist hotbed of Somalia. In Garissa, the threats began again almost immediately. A mob of Muslims came to Abdu'ali and Helen's house with gas cans, intending to burn it down. When we received death threats, Helen would say later, we'd pray together and that would give us peace because God said he would be with us. Finally, more than two decades after putting his faith in Christ, three assassins shot him to death as he talked with another pastor in the center of Garissa. Abdu'l-Wali's ministry was powerful. Returning to Garissa years later, Helen was surprised to learn that Abdu'l-Wali's reputation had spread. She was told that every Somali knows about his witness. His influence is still felt throughout the entire Somali Christian community. We have found Somali Christians that have been inspired by his story all over East Africa and even in Europe and the United States. On this day of the Christian martyr, we celebrate the life and ministry of men and women around the world like Abdu'l-Wali. In spite of threats, persecution, and even in the face of death, they do not run away. They joyfully embrace risk and danger to share the good news of Jesus Christ. 
if you want to know a little bit about that story, we do have some sheets in the back, and you can pick it up and take it home and read more about Abdueli's life. Hay más información en inglés en una hoja detrás que pueden agarrar al, al salir del servicio. Let's pray together, shall we? Vamos a orar. Heavenly Father, we come to this table now recognizing that what you give us here has come at the cost of your precious son, Jesus, giving himself on the cross for us. Lo que recibimos aquí viene a costo de la vida de Jesús en la cruz por nosotros. We come also recognizing that the gift of your son's life and death is also wrapped up in the gift of his resurrection. También recibimos la verdad de la resurrección de Jesús. And we now can have communion with Christ through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are alive and you live forevermore and you reign forevermore. Jesús, eres vivo y reinas para siempre y por siempre. We confess our failures to be good witnesses to Christ. We confess that we sin in ways that do not show you, Jesus. Forgive us. Confesamos que no mostramos el amor y el testimonio de Cristo por nuestros pecados. Strengthen us as we partake of this meal. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, with your boldness, with your light, with your love. En esta santa cena llénanos de tu Espíritu Santo, tu, tu eh, valentía, tu amor, tu luz. We thank you that you are with us always, even to the end of the world. That's your promise, and we, we believe in that. We take it with us. Gracias que estás con nosotros hasta el fin del mundo, como dice tu palabra. It's in your name, Jesus, that we come to this table. En tu santo nombre. Amen. So the Lord Jesus, the same night that he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said to them, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. La misma noche que fue Jesús entregado, tomó del pan, partiéndolo, dijo a sus discípulos, Tomad, comed, este es mi pan. Es mi cuerpo que por vosotros es partido. Hagan esto en memoria de mí. In the same way, after they had eaten, he took the cup. When he blessed it, he gave it to them, and he said, this cup is the new testament, the new covenant that is made in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. Tomó también la copa diciendo, esta copa es el nuevo pacto en mi sangre. Haced esto cada vez que tomad de ella en memoria de mí. I want to invite our serving elders to come up. And as they do, I want to just give a word of instruction. If you are a witness to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to this table. Don't have to be a perfect witness because then none of us could come. But if you are a witness and trusting in Christ alone as your Savior, come in faith. Si eres testigo de Jesucristo y crees en el Señor Jesucristo de todo corazón, alma, 
Bienvenido a esta mesa. If you're still not sure where you are, maybe you're still working this all out, that's quite all right. Si no estás seguro de dónde está, está bien. We invite you to participate. Um, participate by praying, by uh, observing what goes on, and, and, and maybe just drawing closer to God in this time. Si no estás seguro de tu fe, puedes participar observando y acercándote al Señor en este tiempo.